I'm well, a fun you guy. You have fun when they finish below 500. I'm just Captain Fun. I guess. Or a captain suit, the, the show from now on. I don't like the half point. Well, that's called the hook. I don't like it. What the hook How do you get rid of it? Can you get rid of the hook? I'm going to have a coronary. I'm getting too old for this job, but you guys may have won. Upset. If you look back at where the term came from, it was from a horse race. Upset when did you turn a, into Cliff Clavin? I like this job. I've had it for a long time, Paul. Last one. This is the chemistry lab. You're I just verge of next year's Super Bowl. I can't Bowl. help what I think. Be honest, Paulie. You're not doing this for other people's entertainment. You are truly enjoying this. This is Orange Nation. With Stephen Fonte and Pauly Sebelia. It is Orange Nation on the road. We are at Apex Entertainment at Destiny USA. Stephen Fonsi, Paulie Sibilia, Adrian Autry with you to start the show. Uh, we'll be with Red for uh, the first half hour of the show, and then we will get into football talk as well. If you've been living under a rock, maybe you don't know, but uh, two coordinators leaving on the same day, Robert and I to NC State, Tony White to nebraska we'll certainly get into that as the show moves along plus we'll take your phone calls throughout at 315-437-7644 we will have the voice of the georgetown hoyas on with us uh rich shavatkin uh coming up at 115 he's been calling games since uh coach autry here was uh was playing (laughs) since he was a kid uh great to see you coach you're not seeing you guys haven't seen you guys in a while you're not going to get up and leave in the middle of the show are you i'm worried about syracuse (laughs) assistance at this point (laughs) Well, that was quite a day yesterday. Yeah, wow. Uh, quite a day yesterday. Pete Thamel from ESPN uh, breaking the news about Robert and I, uh, Tony White leaving first, and then Robert and I right around 10 o'clock last night. That news broke that he's off to NC State. Again, Nick Monroe named the interim defensive coordinator for the bowl game. Uh, Jason Beck sounds like being named the, the offensive coordinator moving forward. No interim label with Jason Beck. But, again, we will uh, certainly get into that story as things move along. But we're talking basketball for the first half hour or so to, to start things off off and uh, you know I, I asked you as you're walking in how you doing you said I'm doing a little better now I think this team's playing better this this last week or so what what do you like about what we've seen in the Notre Dame game and then certainly against Oakland the other night I think you've seen a uh, progress um, we've uh, obviously we uh, we had a couple of tough stretch of you know a couple of close games and not close games losing some games and getting blown out of one and I think I like the way the team responded and uh, the changes and the things that we talked about, I'm starting to see that come to fruition. So just excited that, uh, you know, you're making progress. We're getting a little bit better um, each time out. So that's that's exciting. Coach, you know, uh, Jim Beheim has been kind of vocal about the rebounding out of the forward position, and those are your guys. How do you get guys to want to rebound? And is it is it a change in the game now that forwards are kind of, think they're outside shooters now and don't want to get into that yeah i think you know with the with the evolution of small ball obviously you know you you plan you know sometimes four guards or sometimes it could be five five guards and a, and a small forward you know so i think that has a little bit to do with it but ultimately you know it's just something that uh um you know we, we're playing with ultimately two freshmen reality two freshmen you know i mean obviously benny was here last year but you know not a lot of playing time and and uh chris um Bell and, and Justin Taylor, those guys are, you know, new to our system. So it, it takes some time because it's not just like a man-to-man. This is a different system. So um, you, you got to kind of read, you know, and get to the right spots. So it, it takes a little bit of time. But, you know, you know they, they're trying, and we just got to keep pushing them and, and, and creating that mindset and creating those habits. You know, one of the, the surprises, I think, through the first nine games of the season, at least for us, has, has been how much we've seen John Bola Jock. And I would assume that that's a case of 
He's coming in. He's doing his job, and as a result, he's continuing to earn minutes. We saw him in the crunch time lineup against Notre Dame, came up with a big defensive stop on the final possession there, uh, had a couple of really nice assists to Joe Girard on backdoor feeds. He's, I, I, I want to say he's got seven assists in the last two games. Um, you know, what, what do you like about what he's bringing to the table? You know, Not necessarily known as a scorer, but he does a lot of those other things, doesn't he? Well, he, he, he helps us on both ends of the floor. You know, he's kind of a ball mover on offense. Uh, he, he has a high IQ. Um, he's he's made tremendous strides uh, since he's been here to, uh, to work himself. So I don't want to take that away from him. He's really worked hard to put himself in the position that he's put himself in. Um, I don't think it's uh, – and I think it speaks to the depth of the team that we have, um, that you can be able to, you know, go to the bench when someone – go to the bench and still get some type of production and, and things that we need. He just helps our team um, really. You know, not he's not a wreckish, but he kind of has that role – Sort of do everything else, amount. right? Yes, yeah. yes. He's not going to score, but he can move the ball high IQ defensively. He knows our system. He knows where to go. So, um, you know, and, and it's good to have someone like that. It, you know, one of the things I really liked about uh, John Bolajak's performance the other night was what he said after the game, after uh, the game against Oakland. Uh, we were interviewing him in the locker room, and he said, every team needs a guy who just kind of does everything else other than score. And he said, you know, he takes great pride in that, and he knows what his job is. It, it's not to score 15 points in a game. It's to do the other stuff, and he does the other stuff well. Yes. You know, he's like I said, he's he's really worked hard, um, and, uh, you know, his IQ is really high. So, it, you know, it's it's good to have someone like that. You know, I asked Coach Beheim this yesterday. I'll ask you. Malik Brown passes the eye test, you know, for the average fan. We all like the Monday morning quarterback and wonder why this guy's not playing. What's he got to do to get more playing time? I mean, he's a freshman. You know, uh, you know, it's, it's things that – you know, uh, he has to get better at. And we have some guys that are, you know, obviously a little bit ahead of him. I just think he has to just keep working. And you just never know. I mean, again, this is this group of guys that we have, um, you know, practice is very spirited. Um, it's a lot of competition in practice. So, you know, you just got to stay ready and keep working. And, you know, uh, coaches have to make those decisions and coach has to make that decision. And, you know, uh, maybe for right now, they, you know, he may not. But you never know in two or three games, four games. You, you say he's a freshman. How much has your job changed in the past two years where you've got to – is it basically a case of you've got to re-recruit these guys after every game when when they're not getting the minutes they want and everything because of the transfer portal? Uh, I, I don't think it's that, but you definitely have to – I think in today's <clears throat> you know sports field, sports world, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you definitely have to have a, a level of communication, a constant communication. Um, and, and, again, the – these guys are great. They're happy to be here. Um, you know, we don't have those conversations, but it's really just kind of keeping them. You know, this is tough for them. This is the first time when you talk about freshmen, um, you know, moving on to the next level. This is the first time they haven't probably gotten the consistent minutes that they've had in probably, you know, five or six years. So it's an adjustment. So I understand that. And, and I think that's, that, that, talks, that, that speaks to the communication that you got to have. You know, you look at some of the early season losses, Red, and, you know, Colgate's a veteran team. Uh, you know, Bryant was Charles Pride in his fourth year there. Mm-hmm. And everybody else's transfers, Illinois, bunch of transfers. Um, how, how much can the early season losses be traced back to – you know, a lot of young guys on your side going up against, you know, guys who may be new to their programs but who have played a lot of college basketball on the other side? Uh, <clears throat> a lot. I mean, when you look around the landscape of basketball, I mean, there's been so many, uh, quote, younger or lower division teams or lower level teams uh, that have either played teams really, really close or beaten them. And I think that has to do a lot with, uh, I think, the high- higher level schools still have younger guys. 
you know, um, and the, the lower-level schools or the mid-level schools, they have guys that are transferred down that are older guys. So you're starting to see a lot of, you know, uh, early season, those, those teams are older than some of the, you know, power five teams. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, and, and talking about your older guys, um, you know, it, Jesse has certainly stood, stood out to everybody. I think he's third in the country right now in rebounding. He's like 12th in field goal percentage. And, and I said this to Paulie the other day that, you know, Oakland was small and you would like to see him go out and dominate. But it's nice to see him command the ball and, and dominate and do to a team like that, like what, what he should. I mean, is has that been... I guess one of the, the progressions of his game that he has become more aggressive this year and, and he knows that you know he's a vital piece of this team and needs to go out and when he can when he can dominate an opponent, he has the ability now to do that. Yes, I think it is. Um, obviously, he's a senior. Um, he understands how important he is to this team and I think you know that's the part that, you know he's playing like a senior should be, should play and he's with that mentality and, uh, and, 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 and he's consistent and that's what he has to be um, and he's done that. How about the, the, the play of Joe? And, you know, it's, it's no secret he went through that really, really tough stretch, two for 25 in that three-game stretch. He's bounced back nicely with a 20-point game, an 18-point game. I, I, how, how do you explain that three-game stretch? Is it, you know, Shooter's going to have a slump every once in a while? Is it he's getting more attention this year because, you know, Buddy and Cole are gone? And, I mean, you know, how, how do you kind of explain that, that stretch for him? Well, he's definitely at the top of the scouting report for sure. So he's getting, you know, the attention that Buddy and, like you said, Buddy or Cole may have gotten in the years past. So, you know, it has, has something to do with that a little bit. But here's reality. You play 30 games in college. You're not going to play great 30 games. That's just that's just what it is. And, uh, you know, you just never know when you hit those stretches, you know, where it's two games here, three games here, whether it's beginning of the season, middle of the season, or the end of the season. It, it happens. So I think, um, you know, the one thing that I like about Joe is that he's been through this before. And uh, as he was going through that stretch, he just kept working. You know, uh, our teammates, I thought our teammates did a great job of rallying behind him uh, and also, you know, staying confident in him. And I think that helped him. And, you know, uh, he you know he worked his way out of it. I was going to ask you about that. How do you keep a guy up who's struggling? It doesn't have to necessarily be Joe, but for the you know the purpose of this example, it was Joe during that three game stretch. As coaches, do you talk to him a little more? Do you know, hey, he's a senior. You just kind of leave him alone. Like, how do you handle a guy? And again, it doesn't have to be Joe, but just right. in general, how do you handle a guy who's going through a slump to try to pick him up and uh, you know have him be better in the next game? I think it depends on, like you said, the the maturity of that that player. You know, Joe's a senior. He's been here. This is not the first time he's had a couple of games, you know, a couple of bad shooting games or just a couple of games, you know, period. You know, and I think uh, for Joe, the one thing that I think he adjusted to is that obviously he didn't shoot the ball well, you know, but we really just talked to him about making plays because he does command a lot of attention. And I think when you are on the top of the scouting report and you're in that position, you know, that's the, that has to be the mentality where I think that's kind of new to him a little bit. Um, and I thought he kind of progressed into that. Even if he's not shooting the ball well, the attention that he has, that he can still make plays and get people involved because he does attract a lot of attention. Um, you know, for a younger guy, it's really just saying stay the course, keep working, um, and, and that's all you can do. I don't overthink it. How do you keep a guy like Joe, or any player for that matter, from seeing the outside chatter about him? We, we talk all the time. Joe is probably one of the most polarizing players to ever play at Syracuse. The negativity is out there. We see it. It gets to us. How do you, how do you prevent a guy from that, like being affected by that or even not seeing it for that matter? I, I think these guys do a good job of uh, you know, self-policing that themselves. They, you know, I always say this um, with our team, um, players, when you play 
not up to your ability, you already know that you didn't play up to your ability. So you don't need to check, you know, on social media. You don't need to, you know, you know, you know. And uh, so, you know, you just I think they do a good job of tuning that out. I'm sure that I'm sure that they kind of, you know. They're better than I am because I get <laughs> I get angry at reading it sometimes. So, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I mean, it's got to be tough. I mean, it's it it's, it's, it's got to be tough to to ignore the outside noise and just keep doing what you're doing. Like even when you were playing, you didn't have social media. You know, you you would no. have to have tuned into our radio show to actually hear <laughs> the people saying this stuff. Man. Yeah. Um, no, today's athlete deals with a lot more. Um, they have a lot more distractions than we had um, growing up. Like I said, it was. Coach Beheim for me, and that was more than enough. I was going to say, that was probably enough, right? That was more than enough. And then the Daily Orange or maybe the Post Standard, (laughs) which I wasn't reading the papers back then, especially buying buying a newspaper. So um, so I had like, you know, two or three people. That was about it. In today's world, everyone has an opinion to say something. It's a lot to deal with in today's athlete, but I think they do a really um, phenomenal job of kind of compartmentalizing and just kind of keeping it focused and stand, stand, stand. Stand, of course. You brought it up. Now, how do you also handle a situation where, like, a Chris Bell gets called out in the press conference, you know, as an assistant coach? Is it a good cop, bad cop thing? How do you guys handle that when, when coach says stuff like that? I think uh, the one thing about coach is that, you know, with coach and his players is that they, they know he's honest. And he's not saying something that's, you know, not true. And, you know, they, they understand that and they, and they know that. I don't think it's as... Um, as bad as some people may think it is. It's just that's the relationship that we have. Um, when you come to Syracuse, coach is going to you know, be honest with you, and he doesn't sugarcoat anything, and I think uh, it helps our guys grow, um, and they mature, I think, a lot faster than, than most. Is it fair to say, I would assume the case, is that he's not saying anything to us that he's not saying to them, right? I mean, he's, he's, he's saying yes. that, right. And yes, it's so, not a surprise. It's not right. like... He's saying something and then going out and saying something else. It's, it's no confusion. Put it like that. It's, it's also it's not clear a su- cut. It's not a surprise for a new recruit coming in either, right? They know no. what they're walking into. Absolutely. I mean, you know, coach has always been honest and, and straightforward and, and, you know, recruit guys. And, and I think that's where, you know, you they understand that. It's just like if anything, like people make a big deal about, you know, from the outside and looking at Tom Izzo, yeah. you know, or looking at a Frank Martin, you know, obviously coach is not that is two different styles, but very similar yeah. guys that hold your players accountable um, and, you know, help them grow as men. All right. We're going to take our first time out here. 315-437-7644. If you'd like to check in, if you have a question for Adrian Autry, give us a call. Now we're coming live from Apex Entertainment at Destiny USA, Orange Nation on the road. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. Welcome back to Orange Nation. Is uh, We're here with Coach Autry at Apex Entertainment on the third floor in the canyon at Destiny USA. Come on out. There's bowling, axe throwing, laser tag, arcade, bumper cars. So much more. The artist of the day is Weezer. I don't remember why, but this one's called Back to the Shack. All right, well, let's get you back to the basketball. You don't even have your computer here to google I, do, I don't. I, I've got my phone, but that's all up to I you. I like to force you to get invested. I'm in not invested today. I'm not invested today at all. I'm invested in SU football and basketball. A lot to get to. Uh, let's get to the phone lines, 315-437-7644. Stefan in Utica's got a question for Adrian Autry. Hey, Stefan. 
Hey guys, and hi, uh, Coach Archery. How you doing? Good. Now, uh, how do you get the guys pumped up for the Georgetown game? It used to be a heated matchup back in the late 80s, early 90s, and it used to be a very important game. How do you get this generation pumped up for a game like this? Well, I think a lot of our guys uh, that come to Syracuse, they understand that, the history of Syracuse, uh, and they understand um, the importance of this game. Um, so, obviously, you know, we, we talk about it. But, again, we, we try to approach it, you know, every every game is the same mentality. Um, but I think our guys, they understand that we talk about it. Obviously, uh, I think um, th- their familiarity with the history of, of Syracuse basketball um, you know, they get pumped up enough. All right, Stefan, we appreciate you checking in. There was a great segue. We were actually talking about the rivalry during the break, Paulie. Uh, Coach, I, I've been pretty vocal that I think this needs to go away. It's, you know, it, it's, it's, it's run its course. And uh, where, where does it stand with you? And would you be upset if it was taken off the schedule? You could smack Absolutely. him in the back of the head. That's okay. And I said that on the air yesterday. <laughs> if Coach Autry wants I mean, to smack me again. I mean, I won't smack you, but you, you know how I feel about this. But it's, le, le, it's a rivalry. It's, it is. It's but George, Georgetown can't even get their own fans to come to the game. Like, they're oh. giving away tickets now. Yeah. Well, if yeah. it, but if Syracuse were in town, people oh, would yeah. go. Oh, yeah, every, Syracuse fans. Every time we go down there, it's, it's no, the, and the Georgetown fans come out, too. So. There's that one guy. I've been doing this job 23 years, and he's been there before me. There's a guy who wears... Like a clown mask oh, yeah. with Bayheim <laughs> written on the forehead at every game, and See? he's always been sitting there. See, but he's also—I've been saying the shit—you got to be like seventy to no, still remember that stuff. No. no, stop. No, no. I think the cutoff line probably goes to about probably thirty-five-ish, thirty-four, thirty-five-ish. Yeah, I, I think that's about yeah. right. I think that's about right. So none of the students. And, and again, Paulie, and I said this yesterday that if Georgetown were better. I think it would be a bigger deal. Like if Georgetown was playing like UConn's playing right now, this would be an enormous game tomorrow. But it's 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 still. I'd like to rotate the old rivals. Yeah, I know you do. I oh, know you mean you do. do like a little. Like yeah, like one year it's Georgetown, one, one year it's Nova, yeah, one year it's Connecticut, yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. So the current players are are they familiar with why this matters? Like they Coach yeah. Beheim makes it known to them that this is this is one we got to have. For, yeah, for multiple I mean, reasons. I mean, Coach Bayham approaches everything, <laughs> you know, consistently. But right. they understand. I mean, we have a couple of players, obviously, from the D.C. area, the DMV area. So they they definitely know, uh, you know, Judah and Benny and, you know, those guys. Uh, and a lot of our guys, um, uh, do. they know the history of Syracuse basketball, like Quadia Copeland. Those guys, are they understand it, you know, so – you know they they, they understand uh, the the history between these two these two programs. So um, they, they they do a good job with their history. Man. And if they don't, they've got you know you and Jerry and uh, Griff uh, you know working out with them every day, making sure that they know. Oh, uh, know all that, about you. oh they definitely will know. <laughs> they, they felt it yesterday. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I bet. Uh, all right, let's go back to the phone lines. We've got another caller. We've got uh, our good friend Ted in Pittsburgh. Uh, he's got another question for Adrian Autry. Hey, Ted. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for getting me in. Uh, hey, Red, first of all, good luck tomorrow. Go, go get them. Beat the heck out of them, please. We need to see it. Thank you. And then, then also, um, my question was, is during the game, when coaches, you know, when you call timeouts and you have the players come over, how much does Coach Beheim let you, the assistants, provide feedback during a game and maybe offer 
suggestions on what you're seeing? Uh, he, he lets us he lets us uh, um, have input um, every time out. Um, I think uh, as an assistant, us being there and knowing him, you know, it's really about the timing. You know, um, because he's always has something to say, and and typically in timeouts, you don't want to say too much. So it may be something here or there. You may say some. I may say something to him before walking into the timeout, um, and then you know, t- typically before the guys go out, I'll kind of make a statement, comment, or a suggestion. You know, me, uh, G Mac, or, or Allen, if we see something. But typically, um, you know, coach is very uh, very open to us having some input, but we also know the timing of it. All right, well, yeah. Thanks, Red. I appreciate that. Yeah, I just noticed yep. during the Illinois game, when they went to timeout, it seemed like the assistants were just right in there and almost talking way too much as opposed to the coach. And I was just, you know, looking at that different <laughs> philosophy was interesting. <laughs> but, uh, uh, but maybe coach a, was talk, Maybe he was talking to a referee <laughs> or something. That doesn't normally happen. <laughs> All right, well, thank you so much, and good luck, good luck again tomorrow. Thank you. I, I right. appreciate checking in, Ted. I sit right next to the timeout, and I've always wondered this. Coach will sit there and not say a, a word until, like, there's 30 seconds left in the timeout and then talk. Is there a reason for that? Is that so you, you don't forget what he said, or is it, you know, just to I calm think everybody so. down? I think it's, it's definitely, uh, um, you know, you could say something in the first, you know, 30 or 40 seconds, and they may not. You know, depending on who you're talking to, what you're saying, to coming walking into the timeout, what's the mood, what's the mindset. I think you kind of let people cool down a little bit, and I'm sure he's not trying to overload them. You know, we, he's always you know talked to us as a coaching staff about timeouts and how you know uh, you know you kind of got to be short and direct because they don't you know you, you give them too much, they're not going to remember anything. So you try to get right to the point of what you want to get get across. Well, what can you tell us about uh, this particular Georgetown team that we're going to see tomorrow? They're they're oh. five and five. Um, you know, and we had Jim Beham on the show yesterday. He said that they have more talent um, than they've had, and maybe the most talent they've had in a while. You know, they, they haven't quite put it together yet. They're five and five. But what, what can you tell us about this team tomorrow? Their record does not indicate how good they really are. And I think you know it goes back to what we talked about earlier about the transition. New players. You know, they got I think they got eight transfers. So they got a bunch of new guys trying to gel in a new system. So uh, I think that's why, you know, that may be a reflection of their record. But talent-wise, they have some of the, the top top talent in, in, you know, not only in their conference but in the country. I mean, explosive offensive team. They can score inside. They can score outside. They can play in transition. Um, you know, uh, they are very talented team. Very talented team. One thing that we should bring up uh, about this game tomorrow, uh, Jim Beheim and Pearl Washington uh, being officially uh, added to the Ring of Honor. This uh, this was supposed to take place in 2020. It was canceled because of COVID. Now they're they're getting it done. It seems fitting to do so with, with Georgetown here. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts about Pearl. I, you know, you obviously are, are you know you came after Pearl, mm-hmm. but. It, you know, you being a point guard and being in that fraternity at, at, at SU, um, what, what did Pearl mean to you? What has Pearl meant to to this program? You know, for me, <clears throat> that's where Syracuse basketball started. Obviously, um, we had great players prior to that. But for me, um, I'm from New York City, young kid growing up in the 80s, um, knew about Pearl, watched him. And then when he went to Syracuse, it was like, wow. And then to, to watch those games when the Big E started and the impact that he had and the player he was and the charisma that he played with, obviously he was super exciting to play on um, watch play. Um, you know, when I got the call that Syracuse offered me a scholarship, it was almost 
kind of a done deal. Yeah, right. But, you know, like, he, you know, it was kind of a done deal. And obviously, right after Pearl, you know, not right after, but not too long after that, Sherman Douglas, sure. the general. Yeah, right. So it was just like, how can I not want to, you know, follow in those footsteps and go to a program and a play at the Dome in um, upstate New York, um, which for me was like going to another another uh, state at the time, coming from New York City. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't do a lot of traveling. So, uh, I mean, it was just, you know, I think he's meant the world. I think when you talk about Syracuse basketball, for you know, depending on the dem- you know who you're talking to, you know, Jim Beheim, Carrie Don Pearl, Washington, Derek Coleman, you know, those yeah. names kind of yeah. fall, you know, flow with flow within, uh, you know, the, the brand. We we had uh, Mike Waters on uh, on the TV version of Orange Nation last night on News Channel Nine, and, and I asked him about Pearl, and and he said Pearl's the most important player to play at Syracuse, and that includes Dave Bing and Mello, and I mean, they're all great players, and they're all in that mix, but it, it, Pearl is, is at the top of the list, given the fact that Dome had just opened, given the, right, you know, the, right, the early stages right, of the Big East right, Conference, yeah. like the big picture stuff, everything yes. that went into the, the timing of when Pearl played and what he meant to the program, you know, Mike said, I, I think he's the most important player ever to play here. I, I, I you know, I can, I, I understand, I, 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 I agree with that, um, is uh, like you said, the inception of the Big East and television and guy that was, you know, I mean, if, if he was coming out now, he would have never touched foot on a college <laughs> campus, you know. Um, but in the way he played, and I mean, he just, yeah, he was, you know, he was he was a foundation. I think you know, yeah. he definitely was a foundation of the Big East going into the Big East again. I, you know, I have, you know, I've been, I've, I have friends of the program that I played before that, so I don't not yeah, sure. trying to I get it, yeah, you know, but. You know, yeah. just as we talking right now, yeah, I understand what yeah, Mike is coming, coming from. from. Yeah. yeah, I understand where Mike is coming from. Uh, one more thing that's going to happen this year: Jerry McNamara, Hakeem Warwick's jerseys getting retired. Your thoughts on both those guys? Um, couldn't be prouder um, for those guys. Um, well deserved, obviously, um, and uh, just uh, you know, you know, I'm just I'm just excited for them. You know, well deserved. Those those guys are. You know, they, they were part of something um, that was special. They did great things, not only after that season. You know, they went on and they played at the highest level. You know, uh, they checked every box that you want. Great human beings, um, great players. Um, and uh, so I'm just excited for him. I was talking to Jerry yesterday about this very topic, and I, I asked him about his jersey being retired, what it meant to him. And he said, you know, some people are telling me that I should have my own day. And Jerry said, I wouldn't have it any other way. The, the fact that he gets to do this with Hakeem Warwick, uh, he said that makes it extra special, not less special. So I, I love that response. Um, I know you got to go, Coach. we got one more phone call, though, I want to get to. We've got Dave in Syracuse who has a question for Adrian Osry. Hey, Dave. Hi, guys. Thank you. Coach, uh, I got a kind of a future scenario fun question for you. So you don't have to <laughs> okay. take it. Let's say at the end of the year, Coach Bayon says, okay, I've had enough. And the new coach is announced, and it's Adrian Autry. Uh, what kind of defense would Adrian Autry play? Would you mix it up, stay with the tone, or change it all together? You know, uh, me, I, you know, uh, uh, for me, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a mix it up guy. You know, uh, just to answer your question, please don't, you know, lead me. But the, the question is, if it was me, you know, yeah. how do, how I would coach. You know, I, I, you know, obviously the zone is a is a very, very, very uh, valuable defense. Um, you know, but you know, for me, you know, 
I like to mix it up a little bit. All right. Uh, Dave, we appreciate you checking in. Uh, thanks so much. And, uh, you, you know, uh, as we let you go here, just a final thought from you on, on this team. Uh, it's, it's early. You know, it's nine games in. But as you said, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint in college basketball. Uh, just your overall feelings of this team and, and, and your overall feelings of this game tomorrow against Georgetown. Uh, you know, the team, I like how we are uh, getting better. Like I said, you, start, you want to see, pro, you know, progress in your team, you know, each week, each day. And, uh, and sometimes it may not amount to a win, but the way we're playing, I think we're starting to gel. I think people are starting to understand their roles. I think people are starting to understand how we're going to win and how we're going to play. So I'm excited about that. And with that all being said, I think that uh, with the talent that we have, we can, we're going to get better, you know, as we go. So I'm really excited and and can't wait for tomorrow. Uh, you know, obviously, I love to, you know, play these games and be a part of these games. And uh, I'm just excited for our players and excited for the community and the fans. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. All right, one o'clock tip. Uh, be there inside the dome. If you can't be there, uh, you can watch the game on News Channel Nine locally. Red, thanks so much for coming on. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. It was good to be here. All right, uh, Adrian Autry, and with that, we will take a timeout. We'll open up the phone lines to talk some football on the other side. Robert and I, Tony White, both moving on to new jobs. We'll talk about it next on ESPN Radio.